But we are kicking off a new study in the book of Galatians. And I'm excited and grateful for this study because it is truly the, the message of the gospel. Grace is at the core of the message of the gospel. And this, this study in Galatians, we are just entitling Standing on Grace. Because at the core of every one of our walks of faith is the gift of grace. God desiring relationship with those He loves and extending grace through Jesus' death and resurrection. We just celebrated Christ's uh, victory over death and the grave this past week. And now we have the opportunity to really understand what it means not just to walk in grace, but to extend grace to other people. My prayer is that the key components of the Gospel will come out in this study. That they'll rise to the surface as we go through the just six chapters of, of the letter to the Galatian people. And I believe as we dig into the simplicity of the Gospel message of Jesus, that we will see how often we tend to complicate the good news of the Bible. See, the message of grace is simple. God loved, and so He sent His Son. But too often in the church and in our lives, we tend to complicate that message with a lot of other stuff that was never intended to be there. My hope is we'll come to better understand the heart of the Apostle Paul in his writing to the Galatian church and the core of his message. And so as we kick off this study, I want to start in Galatians chapter 1. That's going to be our text for today. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can flip there. If you don't, you can jump on the Uversion Bible app and you can follow along with us there. But Galatians chapter 1, verse 1, says, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised Him from the dead, and all the brothers with me, to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the One who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different Gospel, which is really no Gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the Gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a Gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we've already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. And I now trying to win the approval am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, our greatest desire is to receive Your grace freely, but not to complicate the message of the Gospel. See, too often we, we, we receive Your love, Lord, and we, we, we embrace it and we understand it's for each and every one of us, but we oftentimes tend to make it too difficult for others to come to that same hope. And so God, we pray that You'd forgive us for overcomplicating Your message of the good news of Your love. And that You'd help us to see the opportunities to share your love with others. 
God, speak to our hearts today, we ask, and we pray that you would speak through your word and that we would, we would be challenged and encouraged to live lives worthy of being called your children. Help us today, we ask, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this passage of Scripture kicks off a letter that Paul is writing to the church in Galatia. And it's helpful to have some background context as we begin to unpack this letter because Paul was a church planning missionary. He's one of the greatest church planners we see in the history of the church. He goes throughout these different areas and regions and plants churches and continues to pour into and minister to them. And after establishing a church, Paul's method was he would continue to teach them through correspondence, through letters. And so we see these Pauline letters throughout the New Testament of the Bible. One such congregation was was a body of believers in Galatia, which was located in Asia Minor, region in Asia Minor. And most theologians believe that Paul wrote this letter to them in approximately A.D. 50. And it's interesting, when, when, when Paul establishes these churches, oftentimes what happens is these Judaizers, or uh, what would be Pharisees, scholars of the law, scholars of teachers of the law, who also believed in Jesus, they would go behind and follow Paul around and add to his teaching in a way that was often confusing and kind of difficult for these new Christians to understand. The main theme of what they would add is that you had to follow the law to be saved. So there was grace, but you also needed to abide by the law, the Jewish law. One of the main things that we see in Scripture brought up is, is, is circumcision. See, in the Jewish tradition, you were consecrated and set apart to God by circumcision. And the necessity of, of circumcision was this example of, of following the law and, and, and a key one as it was the sign of the covenant in the Old Testament. The problem was this extra gospel that these people were spreading was causing confusion and frustration within the church. The reality remains that the gospel of Jesus that Paul is preaching is a simple gospel of grace and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. But the scholars and the religious leaders of the day were complicating the message. So the question becomes this morning, how do we keep our focus on the power of the gospel of Jesus found in His death and resurrection. We just celebrated it literally a week ago. And how do we keep from complicating the good news of the Gospel with other self-made rules and regulations, things that we want to add to the message? I believe there's a few things that we need to embrace today. First, those to whom we listen will always dictate the way in which we live. Do you realize that? Those people that you allow into your life to influence you and invest in you will dictate the way in which you live because they have influence. We've given them that. 
often been said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Maybe you've even said that to your, your kids. Or even you are who you spend your time with. The people that you surround yourself with, for better or for worse, will be those type of people that you'll begin to look like. And the truth is, the voices we allow to be most dominant in our lives will tend to be the ones that shape the way we think and act. They'll shape the way we, the things we say, the opinions that we have, the news streams that we allow into our lives, the, the, the people that we allow to speak into our lives will begin to sound like. And all of us have and allow voices and influence into our lives for good and sometimes for, for not so good. For me, I remember growing up, my parents you know, were always wanting to have the right people, the right friends in my life, helping me to make good decisions, you know, steer from bad ones. My, my parents were always trying to help me to make the right decisions and keep me from making stupid decisions. My dad used to say, Dan, use your head. Use your head. When I'd you know, be going out, you know, out to hang out with friends or go do something. And he finally got to the point where he just stopped saying that and he would just point to his forehead like this. And so I'd walk out the door and he'd be like, Dan, I got it, I got it. And I would inevitably walk out the door and do something really, really dumb. But we have friends, you know, that, that, that help us to, to make good decisions and stay on the right path. And sometimes they influence us in ways that are not so great. They cause us to maybe step into areas of our life that we otherwise wouldn't. I had some friends in college who introduced me to Gretchen. They were good, good friends. That was a good one. But we also allow mentors, people, people to speak into our lives at a deep level, people we trust, who have the ability to challenge us and encourage us in different ways. And it's good to have those godly mentors, those people who can say, hey, hang on a second, you need, you need to think about this. You should really stop and think. And they encourage us and they in our lives, and our family, and our work, and our ministry, the way we live our lives. All of us allow people the privilege to speak into our lives, but are they the right voices? Do they represent the kind of information and encouragement that God desires for us? See, the gospel message is a simple one. And Paul saw the need to remind the church in Galatia of its simplicity. Because he understood the power of influence. He understood that there were people that were drawing these Christians away from the core of the Gospel message. The same way our friends sometimes will either draw us towards God's plan for our life or away from it. Author and speaker Tim Keller writes, in the, in the letter to Galatians, Paul expounds in detail what the Gospel is and how it works. See, in Galatians Chapter 1, verse 3, going back to our text. Paul says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. See, we see right away in chapter 1 that Paul addresses the content of the Gospel. The Gospel is about Jesus and what He did. It's not about anything else. 
we get so complicated. We, you know, you got to come into the church and you need to do this, and then you need to do this, and then you need to do this, and then you need to do this. And once you get down this little checklist, you're a follower of Jesus. And Paul says, no, 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 no. You got it all backwards. Faith in Jesus Christ. Belief in the work that he did at the cross. That's what it's about. This concept, we're going to expand more and more on it as, as, as we unpack this, this entire letter over the coming weeks. But as we consider it, we have to recognize that grace is at the heart of this good news. Without God's undeserved favor towards us in Christ, we would not be in right standing with God. We wouldn't have the ability to come into right standing with God. See, too many times we spend time in church and spiritual community figuring out and assessing what we like and what we think is most important when it comes to our faith. We want to build a, a kind of an alternate gospel to accomplish what God is desiring for your life and mine. And oftentimes, we, we tend to even seek out people who think like us to strengthen our position. Yes! We should sing more of these kind of songs and less of those kind of songs. We should, you know, Dan should probably wear a coat more often like he did on Easter because he looks so dashing, you know, and, you know, he should, he should, you know, gussy it up. I don't even know what gussying it up means, but should probably do it more often. And as a consequence, we, we tend to espouse spiritual preferences and expectations, even rules and regulations for living and belief that are not at the root of the Gospel. That are not at the root of Jesus' message. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 11.3 another different letter to a church, a church in Colossae, but I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Do you hear that? He's speaking to another church and he's speaking about the same thing. I'm afraid that just as evil was deceived by the serpent's cunning. Do you remember what happened in the garden? Right? The devil shows up. He comes up like a snake. Nobody likes snakes anyways. You like snakes, you're weird. I'm just saying. Okay. But the snake comes into the garden and, and, and goes up to Eve. And what, is, what does he say? He doesn't say, hey, did you check that tree out over there? I'm just saying. I've heard pretty good things. There's some Yelp reviews. It's going to be great. You should really try it. No. No, he, he perverts. He twists the, word, the words of God. Did God really say that you would die? Did God really say? And what's happening is the gospel is being twisted. It's being perverted. And Paul's saying, I'm afraid that just the same way that Eve was deceived, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Pure, innocent devotion to Christ. And then we begin to listen to all these different things and we start chasing expectations that God never intended for our lives. 
never intended for the people that are coming into the church that we would place on them. You know, I've heard it said there's two kinds of people who will always fail. Those who listen to nobody and those who listen to everybody. See, the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Galatian church warns against being people pleasers. He's saying don't live to please men. Don't live to please people. Live to please God. Live your life in such a way that God is proud to call you His child. While writing to the church in Colossae, Colossians, he encourages them to please God alone in everything. See, we can't be led astray by a perverted or distorted form of the Gospel. And we most certainly should not lead other people astray or share some impossible version of God's grace. Yes, God loves you and He's got grace, but you've got to do all this stuff first. Sometimes we have to ask, who's rubbing off on us? Or maybe even who are we rubbing off on these days? Growing up, you may have heard your parents say, don't let your friend's bad habits rub off on you. Anybody hear that? We had that conversation once or twice. Because they were worried about the influence of your friends. You've, You've maybe even found yourself saying that to your own kids. You know, be careful of the friends that you're hanging out with. But there's truth in it, isn't there? The people that we hang out with influence us for good and for bad. And there's a real struggle not to pick up the bad habits of the people that you hang out with. Because all of us have great things that we're about, and then there's stuff that's, you know, let's just say God's still working on it. So there's good habits that can be picked up, but there's also some not-so-great stuff. And when we read the Bible, we see Jesus. And if we're truly living with Him every day, don't you think that we should end up imitating Him? Don't you think we should look like Him? Jesus should be rubbing off on us if we truly call ourselves His followers. See, God's greatest desire is not that we would surround ourselves with people who are speaking in life and, and in, in the simplicity of God's love into us and, and, and that we would be prou- they would be proud of us, but that we would surround ourselves with people who are encouraging us to follow God's purpose. And that we would be those who would also be willing to share God's gift of grace through Jesus. Because the grace is for us, but it's also for everyone. God's desire is that none would perish, but all would come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. See, there's only one true gospel of Jesus, and its message is simple. The message of the gospel is simple, and thankfully, it's received simply as well. God created, sin entered the world, Jesus died and was buried, He rose from the dead on the third day and He's alive. That's the plan of salvation right there. 
And the requirement to receive the gift of salvation is, is also simple. Acknowledge our sin and our need of a Savior. Recognize what Jesus has done for us in His death and resurrection. And turn away from our own way of living in pursuit of God's purpose. Now, I don't know about you, but I like simple. Simple's just good. Right? I, I, I've always been a simple man of simple pleasures. I, I, I like simple. It's easy. It's uncomplicated. Anybody like that? Just simple. Yeah. Got two hands going up here. I like peanut butter and jelly. Okay? Just simple. Right? I don't need some crazy extravagant, you know, once in a while I'll go to no baloney and get something that's got a bunch of stuff stacked on top of it, but I love peanut butter and jelly. It just feels good to have a peanut butter jelly sandwich. It's like the marriage of two beautiful things, right? I love macaroni, you know? It's just, just pasta and cheese. I mean, can life get better than that? I don't think so. Hamburgers, hot dogs, it's just simple, you know? It's, these are good things. I like form and function. If you're, if you're going to decorate one side of the room, like balance it out on the other side. You, know, these, you abstract people that hang stuff weird and you know, there's no linear... Like my, my OCD, I, you need to know. It's, just for my sake, can you just hang stuff normal? It's beautiful, I'm sure, but no. But I'm that kind of a person. The place for everything, everything in its place. You know, it's, just keep it simple. Keep it clean, keep it tidy. But sometimes, sometimes, for whatever reason, we like to complicate things. And we all do it. I don't understand where, where in life going out to play with your friends became a play date. This is just going to be the, the, the lifelong mystery for me of, of how knocking on somebody's door and being like, hey, hey, can Billy come out and play? You know, became this moms or dads, you know, school, hey, uh, I want to get a hold of you because Tommy would really love to play with Billy, so we need to set up a play date. What? You live two doors down from us. Like, what's the problem here? But we, we've complicated things, you know. We, we used to just shoot hoops in the front yard and hang out in the street, you know, where all the cars are. Anyway. And now our, our kids shoot hoops with their thumbs, you know. They're like, zoom, pew, yeah. I should be in the NBA. I'm like, and we, 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 we get to this place where we, we, we think, you know, that our kids will have fun playing sports, so we put a basketball in their hands at two months of age, and then we, we spend the next few years just, just kind of getting their signature ready so that they're ready to sign their professional sports contract because every one of them is going to be a D1 athlete. We complicate things. It's just, you know, it's just our nature. We take simple, wonderful things and we complicate them. See, it's, it's, it's one thing to know the simplicity of the gospel. It's quite another thing to live it out in a way that points people to God because we want to complicate it. We want to take this simple gospel of grace and complicate it all up to the point where people are like, I can't live up to that, so I don't, I don't even know what to do. You have to ask yourself, do you, do you know about the Lord or do you know the Lord? Do we, do we come to this place where we understand who God is 
or do we really know him? Because that's the core of the gospel is knowing God and allowing ourselves to be known by him. See, the difference between these two questions is as big as the Grand Canyon. We had the opportunity to visit the Grand Canyon last year when we went to drop our son Micah off um, at school. There's a picture, I think, up on the, the screen there. Um, Gretchen, Gretchen and Leah apparently don't like the way their hair looks, so I got some flack after first service for that, but whatever. <clears throat> but I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's one thing to read about the Grand Canyon, you know, and to open up the encyclopedia. Uh, I don't, kids probably don't even know that. Anyways, it's one thing to Google the Grand Canyon and to... Right to look things up and see the pictures. It's, it's something completely different to stand on the edge of the Grand Canyon and look into it and go, oh, that's down there a little ways. And I'm just going to shoot straight with you. We were down there, and I did some crazy stuff growing up. I used to jump off bridges at North Fork, and I liked heights. When people were walking out side of the rail uh, into the areas, the little juts of, of land that then, you know, you fall to your death kind of thing. I'm just saying, I was getting some heart palpitations and I was getting a little stressed out watching people do that. I was like, that just doesn't seem wise. But we understand the Grand Canyon is this, this crazy large, you know, wonder of the world, this hole, hole in the earth. And to get that is one thing, but to see and experience the depth and the breadth and the, the beauty of it is just completely different to stand there and just take it all in. See, encountering the depth of our sin and the, the need for change, we, we read the Word of God and it can be a similar experience. We look through and we see, okay, I, you know, I'm living my life my own way and I need to pursue God's plan and purpose for my life. We, we read about God's expectations for us. We see how far we've fallen short, and then we're encouraged and inspired to repent, to receive grace, to correct our mistakes, turn to the Lord, follow Him, and serve Him all the days of our lives. It's all in there. It's simple. But too many times, people overcomplicate this gospel. And this is what Paul's getting to the heart of. Just saying, no, stop adding to it. It's not grace and, it's just grace. Paul sets the tone for the entire letter of Galatians in chapter 1. And he probably comes up across a little bit strong. But it's because he's passionate about the faith of his brothers and sisters. And he's concerned about misunderstandings in the church. Misunderstandings of grace and salvation. In his passion, he shows us the importance of the root of the gospel. Galatians 1, verse 6, going back to our text. He says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion or trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we've already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. It's pretty strong. 
Have we ever been in that place where we've tried to share the hope of the gospel and we've added a bunch of stuff to it? Oh, yeah, when you come to church, you've got to make sure you dress a certain way because people get a little, little wound up, you know, and, and make sure you don't cuss, you know, make sure you don't, you, you just can't do that stuff. Yeah. We've added stuff over the years and, and there's some strong consequences for adding to the gospel. Let them be under God's curse. I'm telling you right now, I don't want to be there. Paul points out, out first that there's only one gospel. And that turning to a different gospel, there's no gospel at all. See, you have to understand what, what's happening. Paul's been preaching the gospel of the salvation through Jesus Christ and His resurrection. And these Judaizers, as we call them, were coming in and preaching a gospel of Jesus and. You must believe in Jesus and be circumcised, as was the Jewish custom. And Paul feels so strongly that he wants them to understand that even if an angel shows up, <laughs> miraculously appears in their midst, tells them there's another way to salvation, they shouldn't believe it. What would you do if an angel showed up in your house? He's like, hey, I know you've received the whole gospel of grace faith in Jesus but you need to also do all this other stuff what about you I'd probably, I'd probably be like ah, okay I've not seen an angel before so this is different probably cause you to kind of be a little bit confused but that's what he says even if an angel shows up it's a bold statement but it's it's logical if we believe we're saved by faith then what we believe has bearing on our salvation. Paul's afraid of a corruption of faith jeopardizing the message of God's grace in the church. See, truly believing something changes our behavior. Or it should. The issue is some people get confused about which comes first. Works before salvation or salvation before works. See, good works follow as a result of true belief. Yet grace still comes first. Max Lucado said once, mercy understood is holiness desired. Grace fosters an eagerness for good. Grace doesn't spawn a desire to sin. If one has truly embraced God's gift, he will not mock it. That means when we receive grace, we go, oh, i got to change. i got to start living my life differently. Grace is not just a license to continue to sin. It's not a license to just keep on going, living however we want. That's not what it's about. Yes, true faith is proven by a changed life. When we say we have faith in Jesus, our life should look different. But the changed life isn't the way to get into a right relationship with God. Grace through faith in what Jesus did on the cross for us is how we are made right with God once and for all. That's how we're restored to right relationship with Him. See, the thief who recognized Jesus as God's Son on the cross, we just talked about the two thieves last week, he didn't have an opportunity to do anything except believe. Do you get that? When we read that story, 
He couldn't get baptized. He couldn't jump down off the cross and be like, okay, where's John the Baptist at? He couldn't, there wasn't any follow-up steps. He couldn't take communion. He couldn't go to the temple and tithe. He couldn't share the Gospel. There was no other performance of religious act or proof of his faith. Just that he says, I believe. Remember me. That's what he says. Remember me when you go to your kingdom. (laughs) And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. It's crazy. Romans 11.6 says, but if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. Nothing you say or do or are can earn you God's grace. It's just not how it works. It's believing and receiving God's grace through Jesus Christ that places us in relationship with God. See, if you've been trying to clean yourself up before presenting your life to God, stop. Just give up now. Because you're never going to get there. I'm telling you from experience. Because that's not how grace works. It's free. It's a gift. And the Bible says our our righteousness, our best efforts to clean ourselves up and and place ourselves in, in right standing before God is as filthy rags. That's our best day. Filthy rags. So stop trying to clean yourself up. Stop trying to perfect yourself. You you can't do it and you, you need to stop trying. Grace is a gift. It's freely given. Just receive it and let God do the work of cleaning up your life. And simply place your trust in Him each and every day. That's what we need to do. The final thought today, God's approval in the way we live is the only approval worth pursuing. See, there's nobody else on this earth that you need to get approval from. There just isn't. God's approval of the way that we live our lives is the only one that matters. The difficulty in life comes when we try to live by the world's rules and standards and gain the approval of the people around us. And we do it all the time. Somebody says something, we're like, oh, yeah, 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 I, 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 I agree with that. Whether you do or not. We listen to all the different opinions and beliefs and people espouse their convictions on us and we... We want to live in harmony, so we agree. The truth is the only approval we should be seeking is from the one who formed us, who knit us together, and who knew us before we ever took our first breath. He knows you that well. Have you ever been driving on a hot day on a long road? Right, you're cruising along on a, on a road trip. The kids are losing their minds in the back seat, you know, and you're behind somebody who doesn't seem to have a need to get anywhere. Ever been behind those people? We like to say they're on a Sunday drive from the Clements house. Like, ah, this is awesome. See, when you go to pass and you, and you look down the road, sometimes the, the heat's radiating off, radiating off the pavement and it almost kind of looks like headlights. You ever been there? You're like, you pull off and you're like, no, not yet. And then you go for about 10 miles and realize there's no there. 
That was awesome. Well, it's, it's the same like in the desert, you know, a combination of hot and cold air and the pathway of the light from the sun forms this kind of glistening on the horizon and it looks like water and people think there's something there and it's not. It's a city. Sometimes we get ourselves in a spiritual desert. We, we can allow the wrong influences into our lives and we can, we can begin to be tempted to believe things that are not true. You begin to see things that aren't really there. And it can get, off, get us off course. Paul's exhorting the Galatians to remember that no matter what happens or what they see, they must not waver from the truth of the Gospel. Galatians 1, 8-9 But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a Gospel other than the one that preached to you, let them be under God's curse. As we've already said, so I now say again, if anybody is preaching to you, a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. In verse 10, am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. So whose approval are you seeking today? Who are you trying to... Make yourself amazing to your family, your kids, your friends, your coworkers, your classmates. We're out trying to just make sure everybody likes us, and you know, I'm just a, I'm a, I'm a good person, and I just want everybody to kind of be around me and, and think I'm great. So here's a question: Is that approval moving you closer to God's plan for your life, or farther away? Because that should really be central to what we think about. Your job, how you use your free time, the people you're spending time with, investing in, or who are investing in you. Are they drawing closer to God's purpose or farther away? Do they challenge you to grow in your faith? Do they call you out when you aren't living or thinking right? Paul says, even if an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than Christ, let them be condemned. So who is speaking into your life? We can't give up on relationship. We have to understand who is doing the influencing. Here's a, a research study that was done by the General Social Survey. It says one out of every ten Americans say they have no religious affiliation. But an additional two out of ten can be classified as Religious liminals, meaning they sometimes claim a religious affiliation and sometimes they do not. These statistics mean that at the very least, one out of every three people we meet claim no strong tie to a religious belief, yet many of them may be open to a sincere discussion about faith because they are on the threshold of believing something. When we experience God's kindness is not giving up on us, we're drawn to faith in God because God loves us regardless of all the stuff that we've done in life. And innately, when we receive that grace, we will also want others to experience this same grace and kindness and we'll encourage them to believe too. 
So we shouldn't give up on people who say they aren't religious because they may be closer than you think or they think to believing. You know, as we, as we close this morning, I, I love movies. Do you love, do you have any movie watchers, people that just love movies? I love movies. And Christmas time always brings out the best movies. You agree, right? White Christmas, Miracle on 34th Street, you know, all the ones that we love. Chris, a Christmas Carol. I like a Christmas story. I like Ralphie. I'm just, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I relate to him. You'll shoot your eye out. I just, you know, the, the, the leg lamp, fragile. But, of course, everyone's favorite classic Christmas movie is Elf. Come on. Right? And in the movie Elf, Buddy is this human who's been raised by Santa and, and the elves at the North Pole. And when he, when he grows up, he, he leaves and goes and he, he finds his biological father and he connects with them. And it turns out that his father is rather self-absorbed. He's kind of a jerk, actually. And when Buddy gets in trouble and needs help, his his father is more interested in his job than he he is his son. And this makes Buddy's little newly found stepbrother, Michael, very upset. He tells their father, Buddy cares about everybody. All you care about is yourself. And this confrontation, this life reality, causes the dad to change course causes him to, to make a, a, a life change. And sometimes we have to come to this place of realizing that God loved us so that we could love other people. God showed us grace so that we could give that gift of grace to others. And it's not just about us. It's about everyone that Jesus died for. See, putting the gospel first helps us to speak the truth of the gospel in love to others, even when that truth may be difficult for them to hear or comprehend. That's why we do it in love. And we should keep it simple. It's a simple gospel. So why should we overcomplicate it? John MacArthur said, the simplicity of the gospel gives what the complexity of human wisdom promises but never delivers. That's it. We can think we're the smartest people on the face of the earth, but at the end of the day, it's about God's grace. See, the truest depiction of the power of the gospel will always be best seen in the miracle of a transformed life. Yours and mine. Would you stand to your feet this morning as we pray? Father, we love you. We are so grateful that you loved us first, that you showed us grace, that you sent your Son so that we could step into this gospel of salvation, this gospel of grace, that nothing that we could have done would have ever earned us right standing with you. But still, while we were in sin, you sent your Son to die. And so, Father, we embrace this gift of grace. We embrace this gospel, this simple gospel of love. And we ask, Father, that you would help us to live lives that would show others the gift of grace, that we would live humbly, letting our actions point people to you.
not our words, that we wouldn't overcomplicate the gospel and instead point people in the wrong direction of what you're desiring for their lives. Father, we need your help. We need you to guide us by your Spirit each and every day that we would not chase our own thoughts and desires, but we would stay attuned to what you're desiring to do in our life. So help us, Lord. God, we love you and we're so thankful that we can celebrate grace, that we can stand on grace, knowing that the work is done, the price has been paid, and you've invited us back into relationship. God, we're so thankful. We love you so much. And today you might find yourself in a place saying, I don't know what it, what it means to experience real grace. I've chased so many things in my lifetime and I've pursued so many things that have left me frustrated and disappointed and discouraged and I don't really understand what it means to feel free. That's the gift of grace. Is that no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, no matter who you've been, God still loves. And He desires to call you His chosen. So this morning as we stand together, whether you're here in the house or you're tuning in online, it's our desire that you have the opportunity to make this decision. That you could step into grace. And so if that's your desire today, we want to say a prayer with you. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. So church, can we say this prayer for those with those who are saying this prayer for the first time? And if you mean it from your heart and confess it from your mouth, the Bible says you'll receive salvation. Let's say this together. Say, Father God, Please forgive me. I've sinned and I've made a lot of mistakes. I believe your son Jesus Christ came to this earth to show me how to live. And he died and was raised back to life so I could have a relationship with you. I ask you today to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. Change the things in me I can't change as I choose to live for you today. In Jesus' name, amen. It's an amazing gift, this thing, grace. And as we can continue to unpack it over the coming weeks, we invite you to be a part of this journey because I believe that God is going to continue to open our hearts to what He's desiring to do, not just in our lives, but through our lives. And so as we go out of this place, let's show people what humble, grace-filled living looks like. And as we go back to our workplaces, to our homes, to our schools, I know that God's light is going to shine through each and every one of us as we step into his plan and purpose. Um, as we go into this week, enjoy this amazing weather. Uh, we'll be here on Wednesday night for our midweek Bible study. And then again uh, next Sunday. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Let's go be the neighborhood.